Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. In the ever-changing automotive climate that we live in, with electrification taking over the markets and the delays by supply chains, as well as the constant chase for new mobility technologies, it's perfectly normal to have several unanswered automotive questions as an average car buyer. But beyond the stats, the zeros and the ones, the automotive electricity and electric range figures that drop during the winter and automotive driving addicts debates, there are still and always will be gearheads that love to drive. We are the Car Guide, a group of passionate and most of the time very obsessed automotive journalists. And together with Le Guide de l'Auto, which on the Quebec side of things, we're the most visited automotive news website in Canada. On this podcast, you'll learn about the formal stuff mentioned above. But you'll also hear us ramble, let loose, and of course, obsessively cover what we like and what we hate about today's cards and everything about them. My name is Louis-Philippe Dubé, but from now on, you can call me LP. And I've been in the automotive industry for close to 20 years, doing everything from selling cars, motor oil, and also dyno tuning race cars. But in the last five years, I've been dedicated myself to driving to write and writing to drive. My co-host needs no introduction, jury member, World Car of the Year Awards, and jury member, North American Car Truck and Utility of the Year Awards. Gabriel Gelina is a talented automotive journalist, has been a talented automotive journalist since 1991. That's just over 30 years and not 20 years like I usually think 1991 is. His contributions to the Canadian automotive media are countless and irreplaceable. But Cab is also a very, very talented radio host and race car driver, Gabriel. <laughs> Salut. Hi. How that are you? Is, very good. Very good. That is the most formal thing that I'm going to say for this whole podcast well, series. And, and thank you for the very glowing introduction. I'm <laughs> blushing over here, but uh, <laughs> nice to see you again and nice uh, to be able to... Uh, to participate and to to do this this podcast here for for the car guide i think we're gonna have a lot of fun uh discussing the issues of the day and talking about cars and everything that uh, is around the automotive world and everything that we are indeed both of us uh very passionate about yes i i said my my co-host needs no introduction but i did one anyway so there <laughs> <go>. <laughs> there's gonna be a little bit of contradictions but not too many hopefully um, let's get right to it. Uh, a little bit more on the government side today in Canada. Uh, in the 1st of September, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, we uh, have been informed that a law that's been introduced, uh, proposed, no, it was proposed roughly a year ago mm -hmm. uh, and uh, adopted on June 23rd. That's uh, at the beginning of the summer. It's the Luxury Items Tax Act. Now, this is a luxury tax that involves uh, everything from luxury yachts to uh, luxury toys that people buy that are over $100,000. But since this is the Car Guide podcast, we're going to focus <laughs> on vehicles and not on boats and planes. Which were, it was also very fun, but maybe we're not that knowledgeable in these uh Specific elements. Yeah. Well, it's very, it's a very Canadian thing to do, you know, uh, tax, uh, tax the rich, so to speak. Um, and, um, 
But there, you know, there are always there. There's some countries in Europe where this has been going on for quite some time. Yes, and uh, with regards to either a luxury tax or with regards to um, a penalty that you have to pay for, you know, cars that consume a lot of uh, a lot of gasoline, a lot of petrol, a lot of uh, uh, fuel. So, in a, in a way, it makes kind of sense, but. Um, you know, it's, it's sure to have a huge impact on on the luxury car market for sure, because we're talking about a substantial amount of money, and it's it might also and because also it's a it's a national thing, it's a federal thing, it's not just a provincial thing. It's going to uh, make sure that no matter where you live in Canada, you're going to be impacted with by this, as opposed to the United States, because you know in, in the U.S., if you're in California and you buy a Ferrari. There are a lot of guys that will plate them in another state, like Montana. Yeah, Delaware. Or Delaware, instance, things yeah. like that. Even though they don't live there, but because, of course, the car is not taxed. Uh, and so it's, that's a bit of a loophole that you get in the U.S. that you won't be able to use here in Canada, obviously. Of course, yes. Every state has its own, uh, depending on the laws or what, what, what the, the, uh, the, uh, the implicate probably yeah, have. Exactly. Uh, Different instances, and uh, yes, like you said, the luxury car tax. Tax. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, the luxury car segment is probably going to be the first one who is going to be, you know, taking a beating. Yes. But also, you know, the law stipulates that it's sedans, coupes, hatchbacks, convertibles, sport utility vehicles, and light duty pickup trucks. Because exactly. light duty pickup trucks nowadays, it's pretty easy, pretty easy to go over a hundred thousand dollars if you're a, you know. Construction module, or yeah, <laughs> exactly. wants to spoil Get the a, a loaded F one fifty Lariat and things like that. Yeah, Denali sure. with everything, yeah, exactly. with everything on it. No, you're right, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be significant. But I think what what is even more uh, amazing is the way that the government has figured out that they're also not only going to tax the vehicle purchase itself, but if you make improvements to the vehicle after you buy it. In other words, if you decide to get the car wrapped or to, you know, to have a protective film in the front, uh, if you decide to put in an aftermarket exhaust or aftermarket wheels and tires and things like that, all of these upgrades are also going to be taxed because it's going to increase the, the price or the value of the of the vehicle. So <laughs> it just tells you a lot about how thorough uh, they, they intend to, yes. to, to, to have this be, you know. Of, of course. And, and mm-hmm. you know, let's look at the numbers. The yeah. tax itself is 10% over everything or a vehicle that's over $100,000. If it's $100,000, it's... Uh, 10% of that. So it's uh, uh, a $10,000 tax right away. Exactly. Um, if your vehicle is $140,000, everything that goes over $100,000 is either 10% or 20% of the difference between $100,000 and the actual sales price. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, the, the way the government cho- chooses it, cho- uh, chose it is it's going to be the lesser of these two amounts. So $140,000 will be $8,000 instead of $10,000 for a $100,000 vehicle. So as it goes up, it has, you have kind of the, 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 a choice of 
you know, depending on the sale price of the vehicle. What I'm wondering is $101,000 sales price is going to be a $200, $200 tax mm. because it's $1,000, yeah. you know. So looking at, at this tax, maybe, you know, we're not uh, tax specialists, we're automotive specialists. Maybe there's a little loophole or maybe there's an explanation to this. Is it, mm, no, no, it, you know, it's going to be something between a hundred and one thousand to a hundred and thirty thousand, for example, it's too cheap. You're not paying enough tax, yeah. so there's going to be something that's going to. Well, be- I'm sure you know the the dealers, obviously, and anybody who's in the car business is you know very much against that because it's going to make the the vehicle you know more more expensive and it's going to uh, reduce your your pool of potential customers and things like that. But and in a, in, in a way, you know, I guess the the government is just looking for ways to get more revenue out of uh, something that's. At the, the market that's quite active uh, even now, and uh, you know they got to pay for they got to pay for everything. They got to pay for the social programs. They got to pay for uh, the pandemic response and yes. things like that. So yes, yes, it's like, one one of one way for them to uh, to look at things. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not crying as much for the big you know luxury car dealers because mm. you know if if you have two hundred thousand dollars to buy a, an Aston Martin, you'll have two hundred and you know, over $220,000 to buy an Aston Martin. Uh, what, what's bothering me a little bit is what you mentioned earlier is the enhancement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, mm. you know, to go a little bit more into detail is one year after the purchase of the vehicle, every enhancement that you make to the vehicle is also taxable at 10%. Mm-hmm. So uh, the government uh, includes, uh, for instance, uh, a full body wrap, Performance tires, mm-hmm. um, uh, performance exhaust. It, that's that's the government examples, but there's there's a lot of inclusions in there that we could that that they could include, and the smaller shops, the smaller mom and pa shops that, that you do the tires that but buy the the import the the exhaust system, they're going to be the ones probably suffering a little bit more because maybe someone's going to say, well, you know what, I don't I don't have not, not that the client doesn't have the money to do it. It's just going to be the tax paperwork nightmare possibly in the year coming that mm. they're going to have to declare because how are, how is it going to be policed you know yeah, they're going to that's quite right i mean go to your house and yeah. rip off your tires <laughs> <laughs> and so you didn't pay your 10% over your yeah measure fire. the wear rate <laughs> you know as sad as, as this sound i can see it happening it's, it's some someone from the government with its little tire thread mm. you know measuring tool and and whatnot so well, that's what living in Canada is for. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we'll have we'll probably have more details about that luck in the coming uh, in the coming months, especially when it's going to go into effect on the first of September, twenty twenty two. So, Gabriel, um, you've been driving a vehicle that haven't had the chance. Uh, to drive yet, and it's a, a very important vehicle, not only for the automotive industry, but also for the brand that manufactures it, which is Genesis. And we're talking about the uh, Genesis GV60. Yeah, the GV60, uh, fully electric SUV, uh, kind of a small vehicle, roughly the size of a Q5. Um, uh, it's built, obviously, on the same eGMP platform that's the electric global modular platform that was built by the Hyundai Kia group 
Um, and it's used, of course, for the Hyundai Ioniq 5, and it's also used for the Kia EV6. Now, the Genesis GV60 is the uh, latest vehicle built on the same architecture. So from a technical standpoint, if you're looking at the battery, if you're looking at the, uh, the electric motors, it's very similar, obviously, to the, uh, to the other two, the uh, Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6. However, you know, Genesis being a luxury brand, they very much did... Uh, differentiate uh, the vehicle with regards to styling, with regards to features as well. So it's a very um, unique proposition. And it's also more expensive, I should say, than the Kia and the Hyundai. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and does not qualify for any uh, government incentives because the price is... Uh, is, is uh, Starts at $71,000. Exactly. $71,000 for your, your base if you want the GV60. And then you have the performance version, which is uh, $79,000. Yes. So it's quite an expensive vehicle. Um, but uh, the styling is really... Uh, really cool looking. It's it's really an eye catcher. Obviously, in the front, they've they've got the same uh, dual slit uh, headlights up front. Um, it's a car that's very aer- aerodynamic. It's uh, it doesn't have that huge grill that no, other G- exactly uh, Genesis SUVs obviously have. because you don't need so much cooling. Right. So the look is is uh, it's an it's a new interpretation, if you will, of the of the Genesis look. Um, inside, it's very beautiful. It's a it's a it's a very nicely designed vehicle. A couple of things that are unique about it. Um, there are some features like. You can actually unlock the vehicle through Face ID. You know, there's a small camera in the uh, in the B pillar, right? And uh, you can also start it with your uh, with your fingerprint because there's a fingerprint reader uh, inside the inside the vehicle. So technically, once you've got this all set up, you don't need no longer need the key fob on you in order to access the vehicle or to drive it away. Yeah, just kind of kind of cool. Just keep your face. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How well that's going <laughs> to work finger. in winter when the thing is. Cr- Crusted over with snow and things like that. That's actually know. a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah so yes. we'll see about that. But it's it's one of those um, one of those features. You know, obviously Tesla's had that for a while, and so they're trying to uh, they're trying to come to market with a product that's very different than obviously the Hyundai or the or the Kia. And I think they've been successful with that. Okay. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the look, in terms of the feature, cool thing about it as well. It sounds crazy, and you know, you go like, uh, you're not going to talk about the glove box. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the glove box. <laughs> that's, the glove what box that's what we're here for. <laughs> exactly. We're, sometimes <laughs> we don't have room to write about it, but now we have time you know, to talk about it. You know, sometimes the glove box, you open it, and the you know the lid falls down, and then the papers kind of all fall out and things like that. In the GV60, it's a drawer that you actually pull. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of neat because, and it's kind of large enough that you could fit a tablet or even a, maybe a small laptop in there. So it's that's kind of that's kind of neat. And so uh, your your upset passenger <laughs> can smash the drawers. <laughs> but maybe I don't know. And, and also a cool feature about the, the vehicle: it has a boost function. Uh, so there's a boost button on the steering wheel, which allows you to draw more power from the battery pack in order to uh, have uh, more torque for like 10 seconds. So if you're doing passing on a two-lane highway or a country road or whatever, it can make your passing maneuver a little bit safer because you, you've you got instant torque immediately. So in terms of range, you know, we're, we're looking at 
similar range to the uh, the Ionic Five or the the Kia EV6. You know, close to four hundred. Right. In the best uh, case scenario, less than that, obviously, in winter. Um, but it's a uh, it it's fun to drive. It's obviously like every electric car. It's very heavy because of the battery pack, the weight of the battery. So. Like I always say, you know, it's a car that's fun in a straight line, <laughs> but when you get, go through the yeah. corners, you can, you know, mass is mass and you feel the weight. And so it's not, not very dynamic in terms of, uh, of handling, but, uh, it does the job. You know, it's, it's quiet, very quiet, but it's a Genesis. A Genesis, yeah. everything we've been driving from them is uh, maybe the, 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 the G70 was a little bit more dynamic, but yeah. everything that's, you know, after that is uh, not compromising, but maybe, Taking care of their occupants more than than, than riveting performance or yeah, riveting, and, and also you know it's their their whole business model as well, which is which is of course different than than anybody else because you can order the car online, it's delivered to you at your house or at mm-hmm. your business, and they have a loaner vehicle if you need service and things like that. So it's really a, a worry free kind of uh, kind of environment. Uh, that they're trying to uh, to put forth, and uh, this one is the same except it's electric. You know, and, and, right? And I think now also, obviously, everybody's talking about you know, when you talk when you think about an electric car, everybody t- thinks about Tesla right away. But Hyundai is really moving forward uh, quickly. You know, in this in this in this sphere. So you've got. The, the Ionic 5, you've got the Kia EV6. We now know that you know they're coming out with new vehicles. The Ionic 6 is also on its way. Yes, on the same platform. Exactly. So, and now you have the GV60 and there's a G80 electric yes. uh, that I think you drove uh, I did, not yes. some time, you know, yeah. not, some, not so long ago. The big sedan, but this yeah. one is not built on uh, yeah. the, the, uh, the uh, EGMP platform. EGMP platform. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, the this one they took the the actual uh, G80 platform and adapted it and yeah. sometimes that's not a very good idea because well the G80 yeah, compromises that you have to make it's not the same and kind there of are comprom- yes yeah. that's right yeah. there are compromises in the, in, yeah. in the trunk whereas you're losing because <laughs> the batteries <laughs> yeah the the electric motor sits on top you have that's one of the compromises but otherwise very you know a very plush very pleasant uh, to drive but like we mm. mentioned earlier not riveting performance, exactly. just, you know, more, more comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it goes to show how, how uh, dedicated they are to electric mobility, that they're coming out so quickly with so many uh, models that are quite successful in the marketplace. You know, if you're looking at a Ionic 5 right now or an EV6, there's like a two-year waiting list. Yes. So, yes. and it, I think it's going to be a bit the same with the GV60, perhaps less because of the cost factor. The vehicle is more expensive. You don't, you don't have the uh, access to the uh, incentives, uh, both provincial and federal. So, of course, maybe the the market is going to be a little bit more limited there. But nevertheless, you know, it, it just goes to show how committed I think Hyundai is to becoming a, a major player in uh, electric mobility. Yeah, they are. And as when you look at all the different variations of each vehicle, EV6, mm-hmm. you can have, I think, like four different variations. There's yeah. rear-wheel drive, long-range, uh, performance, the, you know, and uh, the same, well, the GV60, it's, it's two uh, different uh, variants. But looking at these, these uh, you, they, they, they want to cover a very wide range, spectrum, yeah, spectrum right. yeah. uh, different pricing, same platform, same electric motors, I assume. 
different batteries, different battery packs. I think it's like, like 56 kilowatts on the EV6. And then uh, there's another one that's higher. And then, and then, and then you know, here with the, um, the GV60, we're talking about uh, 77.4 for the base, 177.4 for the, the other one as well. So, but still, like you said, with the, uh, the the boost button, it's 516 foot pounds of torque that that's you can it. get. You know, <laughs> that's that's on the top end of, of you know a sports car. And then with the EV6, you can get a 44,995 dollar vehicle with the same platform, the same electric motors, but very much more adapted to a wider range of, of buyers. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how it works out for uh, for Genesis, but uh, obviously, um, it's it is a um, it's very compelling product, is what it is. Uh, great design, uh, nice styling, and a good a lot of features also. Yeah, and that's a that's a hallmark of the brand. Okay, um, GV70 is coming as well, uh, electrified because at Genesis we call them when they're. Electric, it's their own model name. And then after that, they put GV70 or G80 electrified. But all this doesn't matter in a few years because <laughs> it's not going to be electrified anymore. It's just going to be GV70, right? So, but yeah, GV70, which is a very popular vehicle at Genesis, the, the best selling vehicle now, I think, of the, of the brand. And uh, they're going to do the same thing as the G80, the same principle, take the same platform, electrify it. And then as well, uh, probably in the next few years, we'll see a whole new platform and a whole new design, which is only going to be uh, electric. So Gab, uh, a couple of weeks back, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, took the plane for about a day and a half to go (laughs) all the way to Southeast Asia, where there is a new automotive business starting up. Well, they're not starting up. They've been doing, uh, in the last few years, they've been doing concepts here and there and some vehicles that you can talk to us about. But globally, VinFast, uh, this uh, new automaker straight out of Vietnam, is coming out with few vehicles and intends on taking the automotive business by storm, apparently, because there's a lot of things happening over there. And you were there on the site and to see their operations and as well as test drive one of their cars. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, sure. You know, obviously, <clears throat> whenever you hear of a new uh, car manufacturer coming onto the scene, nowadays you, you tend to think of, you know, a startup like Rivian or Lucid Air or something like that. Um, very technologically, uh, you know, focused and things like that. Now we're talking about you know, a, a full scale kind of automotive manufacturer that five years ago did not exist. Okay. Right. So you, in order to understand how, where they're coming from with all this, uh, you have to, you have to understand that Vietnam, the country, uh, its economy is the fastest growing in Southeast Asia right now. Um, and, um, this company that started VinFast, uh, VinFast obviously is one, one of the companies of a holding called the Vin Group. And this holding was started, I think, in 1993 by uh, a Vietnamese uh, gentleman who is now Vietnam's wealthiest citizen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> worth a couple of billion dollars. And um, Elon Musk once said it costs a lot of money to make cars. I think so. Yeah. Or, 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 I, or it's very difficult to make cars. Either way, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> but at any rate, and this, this, uh, this company, Vin Group, is active in just about every sector of Vietnam's economy. They're building houses. 
They've built a university. Uh, they've got a medical, uh, they've got hospitals, medical services. Um, they've got uh, payment services. You know, here we have Apple Pay and things like that. They have VinPay. Right. <laughs> you know, right. You know? <laughs> so just to give you an idea, this is a, a, a huge, huge business. Highly uh, diversified. Highly diversified. Uh, very much involved in like I said, every sector of the economy of Vietnam. And they decided five years ago to start an auto manufacturer, FinFast. And so at first they started building cars under sort of like license. Um, they were like, uh, cool, well, you know, versions, if you will, of uh, BMW vehicles or even General Motors vehicles and with, uh, with uh, internal combustion engines. But lately, they, you know, they decided to do their own vehicles, their own uh, brand vehicles. And also they decided to make them all electric. So I went to Haiphong, which is the northern part of uh, Vietnam. This is where they have the, their biggest car plant. This place is huge. It's 823 hectares. That's eight square kilometers. Jeez. So it's like five square miles. And five years ago, half of it was in the water, in the ocean. So they reclaimed <laughs> land and then they built this huge plant. So it's landfilled and then exactly. landfilled. And, okay. yeah. and then they built this huge plant. And what's fascinating about this is, first of all, the, the scale of things is, is you know, like I said, five square miles, eight square kilometers. That's a lot of real estate. And on it, they have these this this plant where they're building not only cars, but they're building scooters as well, electric yep. scooters, because obviously in Vietnam and the local southeastern uh, Asian market, that's a very popular thing to, to to ride around it. But when you walk into the plant, you see everything that you would see in a European car plant or North American car plant. You see the same robots, welding robots, you see the same Schuler presses from Germany to do the stamping for, right. the, for the body panels and things like that. So they've really gotten the best uh, kind of equipment to make cars. They've hired um, some people who used to run uh, car plants from General Motors in Australia, Sean Colvert, who's the head of uh, manufacturing for VinFast. And so they've hired a lot of knowledgeable people in order to uh, to uh, to do their um, their um, uh, their manufacturing, and they spent an enormous amount of money to build this uh, these factories. And now, obviously, their plan is to go uh, only building electric vehicles and SUVs. So that's their their business models. Mm -hmm. So they're the the vehicles. The first vehicle that I that is going to come to the market. It's going to call is be called the VF8. They're going to have the VF9, which is a three-row SUV, and later on they'll have the VF6 and VF7, which will be a little bit smaller size. But to give you an idea, like the VF8, that's your average, you know, two-row uh, SUV in terms of uh, in terms of size. It's fully electric, uh, as I said. Now, in terms of uh, the product itself. You know, the company has been established for five years. The progress that they've made in five years is absolutely amazing. Right. You know, like I said, it was swampland to a yes. mega car building factory almost overnight. Now, 
You and I know that building cars is a very difficult, intricate process. And yes. you don't quite have that culture yet in, in, in that country in Vietnam. But they're moving really fast and mm -hmm. they're learning very quickly. Um, and so I was able to drive a pre-production prototype and I was able to drive it all of 24 kilometers <laughs> just <laughs> so on a private I road. I was going to ask. <laughs> you know? So it's not, it's not a very conclusive uh, way of, of testing your vehicle. Yes. However, you know, you could see uh, a couple of things like, you know, the adjustment with the, the, the panel gaps, you know, as you know, the shut lines on, on a vehicle, the, the doors, the hood, the, the alignment with the fenders, things like that. It's nice when those gaps are tight and that they're in, when they're consistent, you mm -hmm. know, uniform and it, and it, throughout it, the vehicle. It's and harder to do than it looks. For, exactly. For car manufacturers. Exactly. And that's where they're a bit lacking. Obviously, when you look at the shut lines and things like that and the gaps in the panels. Also, same thing with the interior, uh, same situation there. S some of the, the alignment, you know, the dashboard to the door and things like that. Not very precise. But again, these are these were pre-production prototypes, largely hand assembled. So perhaps, you know, the production vehicles will be will be better. Um, there were the version that we drove had a two electric motor, uh, about 400 horsepower uh, in terms of, of power. I never felt like it had 400 horsepower. It felt lower than that to me in terms of acceleration, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, torque. Um, so again, maybe again, some software issues with regards to, but again, you know, 24 kilometers, you, you don't really have time to, uh, or any, it, it's not significant. You can't tell how the regenerative braking works or, you know, how the energy management is, is, uh, is taking place with the battery and the car. So it's not a significant um, test drive, so to speak. Uh, so there's a lot of questions, you know, left unanswered. But uh, what we do know is that, you know, they're, they're very committed to coming to the North American market right away this fall, fall of 2023. They've already built dealerships in California that are empty, you know, because they don't have product in them. Right. Because they're still building them. Uh, they have a plan to to build a plant in the U.S., manufacturing plant in the in the U.S. near Raleigh, uh, in the Carolinas, so they they seem very fully committed to developing, fine tuning uh, their products, and to to be and and also to come into the most competitive car market in the world, which is North America. You know, it's one thing to be able to sell cars in Southeast Asia, where you know the quality standards or things like that, the expectations from the customer are lower. But if you're coming here to North America and you're planning to compete with the legacy automakers who are building electric vehicles now or to compete even against Tesla, you're going to have to to come up with a compelling product yes. because you know you're you're Vinfast, you're from Vietnam, nobody knows anything about this. You're a new brand, you started 5 years ago. Yes. Things like that. So there's a lot to prove, you yeah. know, there's a lot to prove there. But <clears throat> their management <laughs> we had the opportunity of of meeting some of their top management there. And these are people that are very, very driven. It's unbelievable. And um, their chairwoman, this she's, she's a woman. She's mid forties, I think. She's a triathlete, and she said, "At Vinfast, we do things fast. 
and we change things on the go if we need to. So they're very, you know, like I said, they built this huge plant and they're just starting to produce cars there. They're building dealerships in California. There's no inventory in them. You know, they're, they're really moving ahead on all fronts at the same time. Right. Which is kind of a, you know, impressive in, in a way. Um, but again, we'll have to see what the, um, what the uh, production vehicles look like and drive like before we can make an honest assessment of the value of the vehicle. But, you know, they want to hit the market with uh, vehicles that are relatively inexpensive when you think about it. We're talking about, you know, 51,000 to 55 range for the, for the VF8. Right. So, you know, the, and, and they already have customers. They, 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 I met some people from Canada who are on the trip who have placed an order. Right. Sight unseen, you know, because they... Because that's the way to go now. Which well, is, <laughs> a little bit like that. And if then, you want if you want it uh, next year or the yeah, two exactly. years or when it's going to start building. You want yeah, so... so uh, And they were really interested to see, you know, what what the car is was all about and to visit the plant, the factory where it's being built and things like that. But VinFast, like I said, they're putting a lot of capital, a lot of investment. Um, right now, they're building battery packs with cells that are that they're buying from uh, Samsung and LG, but they've even started their own venture to build battery cells, mm. to build their own battery to, packs. To not be dependent on, yeah. on suppliers exactly. like everybody's trying to do at the moment. Exactly. So it it gives you an idea of their, their level of uh, level of commitment, right. if you will. Now, I, is it going to work? You know, I don't know. We'll have to see what the what the fin- finished product looks like. But sh- one thing is for sure: they're throwing a lot of money at this project, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of money <laughs> really quickly. And uh, they're like 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 that, doing things really really fast. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a you know what you're saying. It's difficult to make cars, and then getting to, into the North American uh, market is difficult right now. But at the, the short, the, the you know, historically in the last few years, we've learned that every manufacturer is sort of, you know, uh, uh, struggling a little bit. But this year with Toyota, with the BZ4X, a couple of recalls, uh, mm-hmm. wheels falling off, the batteries, bad news after bad news. We can't charge them under minus 20 degrees Celsius, which is a problem in Canada. Uh, some charging speeds are not up to par. And Toyota has been very good at answering this, uh, saying, you know, we're, 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 we're taking precautions so our batteries last for 10 years and it's, you know, you don't need that much charging capacity and whatnot. And they're right to some extent. Uh, Chevrolet has been, with the Bolt, has been having problems. Tesla, you know, we could, we could do a, a two-hour podcast about it. I mean, we're talking about you know the body panels not not you know being assembled properly or parts falling off. Tesla's you know it's been struggling as well with paint issues, so it, it's kind of like a musical chair thing. You, you know, I think all everybody's trying to make electric cars and everybody's kind of struggling. And it's good for manufacturers to learn from that. And if you're a big, you become a big player like the VinFast, you're not necessarily dragging behind that much because you're still starting to make cars when everybody's starting to make electric cars. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the fact that, uh, you know, what makes this, I think, a more serious proposition than uh, some of the other, uh, like I said, mentioned startups. You know, yes, yes, you were talking about, about them. Yes. Fisker, we could talk about Lucid, we could talk about all those guys. 
but this is a you know this is a serious manufacturing effort that's being put forth mm-hmm. and like i said a lot of capital and they've hired some key people from uh, they went and poached a whole bunch of people you know the di- the design of the vehicles by pin and farina they're not know? they're not the small kids on the block <laughs> no, exactly. they? so they're like looking for talent and they're trying to grab you know uh, talent wherever they see it mm-hmm. in order to be able to put you know together a quality product quickly and also another thing that they're they they pride themselves on uh, in their other businesses in in Vietnam is customer service they're all about that uh that they want to have the top customer service and again you know it's it's a new manufacturer so you, there's no history there but when you think about it when tesla started selling cars here in canada you know their their customer service was excellent because they had very few customers they had very right. few cars on the market you had an issue with your car they sent a technician to your house right you know a friend of mine got his back seat they, they changed his back seat in his driveway because there was a problem with the fitting of the back seat you know and things like that you can do when you're small yes you know and the, the same with genesis same thing you know when you're a small business and you're not selling that many cars you can do you can be very proactive you can be very responsive right uh, to your customers and things like that so I think that's what they're going to try to do as well here in Canada. They've already started a whole uh, parts distribution network, even though they don't have any parts, <laughs> you know, to distribute. But build they're, it, they're, and they're, they will come. Exactly, they're gearing up for something substantial. Right, and like I said, that's um, that's quite impressive. Now we'll have to wait and see and and drive the finished product before we we make that call. But it's um, you know how many times. Do you see that, you know, a brand new automotive manufacturer coming onto the scene and with that much uh, capital behind it? Yeah, you that know, much to, drive exactly. uh, into the operation. So it's going to be interesting to see definitely, definitely uh, something to, to uh, a brand to watch. Looking forward to it. So Gap, this week, actually, actually tomorrow, you're leaving for a one of the staples of the automotive culture in the United States or in the world, for that matter, uh, Monterey Car Week, which is a yeah. full week of uh, festivities with very expensive cars, cars that would be heavily taxed <laughs> by exactly <laughs> our luxury act mm. tax uh, in Canada. But please uh, let me know what you're going to do over there. Well, you know, obviously, it's called the Monterey Car Week because it's the Monterey area of California. So just south of San Francisco, about two hours south of San Francisco, about uh, three, four hours north of LA, just to, to put you on the map. And <clears throat> obviously in Monterey, you have the racetrack, Laguna Seca is there. You have the Pebble Beach Golf Course, which where you have the Pro-Am uh, every year and a PGA uh, tour uh, goes there as well. So, and, there, and there's a lot of uh, events that are taking place during the entire week uh, in Monterey. And it's also an, an area where a lot of the luxury and exotic car manufacturers like to have a presence because they're, you know, there's obviously a lot of wealthy people in that area that converge onto Monterey. There's classic car auctions, you know, cars right. that go for like millions of dollars at, at the auction. So all of that is happening within the space of like four or five days. And when you're in Monterey, I've been there maybe five, six times in, in my career so far. When you're there for that week, 
you see as many Lamborghinis on the road over there as you see Hyundais over here. <laughs> you know, they're everywhere. Lamborghinis, McLarens, Ferraris, Porsches, name it. You know, all the luxury brands are, are there. So it's, um, it's a great, great event to really see, to put your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the exotic market, what's going on in the classic car market, obviously, because of all the, uh, all the auctions that are taking place. So the most significant events, um, the one that's happening uh, this Friday, is uh, it's called the Quail a Motorsports Gathering. And what it is, is it's a hotel in Carmel Valley, uh, the Quail Lodge, um, that's part of the uh, Peninsula Group of luxury uh, hotels. So they created an event where not only owners bring their classic cars, but also manufacturers do vehicle introductions. Like Lamborghini right. is going to showcase a new model there. Uh, we'll see um, uh, Singer is always there with some a couple of cars. Right. Pagani. <laughs> the Pagani display, there's not just one or two uh, cars. There's like a dozen of them, yes. <laughs> you know, different <laughs> colors and things like that. Um, you'll see, you know, uh, like I said, the uh, Ferrari, Lamborghini, all of these brands have a, a presence uh, at the Quail. The ticket to get in, if you wanted to buy a ticket, first of all, it's limited. There's a limited quantity of tickets that, that, that are available to the public. It's like $750 US. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's your ticket. Okay. Yeah. So, and you, you haven't bought a bottle of water yet. Which no, is probably... but that's a, that's a cool thing about it is that they, they, there's um, the hotel does food and bar service and it's free all day. So oh. you walk in and you, you're okay. being served the Veuve Clicquot champagne as you walk in. You okay. know, that, it's that kind of rarefied kind of environment. Of course, okay. But you're walking around and you're seeing classic Porsches, you're seeing the new Pagani, you're seeing you know, all kinds of uh, automotive candy, if you will. Right, <laughs> right, of course. Well. And um, <clears throat> like I said, manufacturers use this opportunity to, you know, Porsche usually has a huge display there. Uh, so it's very much like a car show in the open air. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's very beautiful, uh, beautiful spot. And it's, uh, it's, it's great to see. Now, usually on Saturday... Uh, the next day, we go to Laguna Seca for the historic uh, car races, which is always fun to It's a beautiful uh, track. Yes, there, uh, absolutely. Uh, I first went to Monterey to Laguna Seca, I think it was 1981, to, to drive Formula Fords oh, right. <laughs> when, I, when I was racing cars. Yes. So when I was a young, young kid, so that was my first experience going to Laguna Seca. It's a fabulous track, one of the most beautiful in the world. And, and you, you're going to go there to hear some actual engines because yeah, there's yeah, going to yeah. be a lot of electric cars on the ground as yeah. well. Not not that, that as many as you know Los Angeles or New York or something like that, but there's going to be Cadillac, the Celestic concept, yeah, exactly. Audi as well is going to uh, show some concept as well. A little bit of more electrification in that event, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's mostly to, yeah, that's mostly at, at the Quail on on the Friday at right. the racetrack. There's at the racetrack, yes. At the racetrack, it's mostly it's gasoline. gasoline. <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. And old Formula One cars and things like that. The old Group C cars. And you, might, you might see one of those old Fords you were driving. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and now it's worth a whole lot of money. <laughs> and there's another cool thing that's happening on the Saturday morning. It's called the Concours de Lemons. And that's in Seaside, which is a small locality not far from. And there it's anything goes with people bringing their old jalopies. And, yes. You know, it's, 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 got, it's 
it's kind of like the, the counterpoint to uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Pebble Beach uh, atmosphere with the ritzy cars and you know fabulous uh, fabulous cars and exotic cars here it's like junkers that I've, are, that I've are, heard of that event yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool it was a similar event was called the 24 hours of lemons yeah exactly was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a car race yeah sure with for, with the old beaters And then, obviously, on Sunday is the, the, the crowning thing, which is the uh, Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance. Uh, actually, I have a French name that's kind of quaint. But if you've uh, basically the whole 18th hole of the Pebble Beach uh, golf course is taken over by classic cars that are arranged by categories. And, of course, there are jurors that are, you know, dignitaries from the car world, you know, car designers, famous car designers uh, that go around and, and score the vehicles. And of course, they give awards and, you know, you, you, one car is, 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 is picked as the, the winner overall of the, the Concours de Réal. It's a very ritzy thing. Uh, I see a lot of women with uh, fancy dresses and big hats. Yeah, like so it's like the see. Kentucky Derby exactly. of, of <laughs> it's, it's exactly that. You, you've put, you've put your, your, the finger on it right there. Um, so again, it's, uh, like I said, the very ra rarefied kind of environment. And um, you'll see cars that are worth, you know, millions of dollars that are unique, that there's only like two left in the world and things like that. You know, I'm talking about things like uh, Bugatti Atlantic uh, Coupes, you know, like Ralph Lauren's car. You know, what was there one year? We've never, we, oh, it's the only place you see it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. You know, some of these, um, some of these uh, collectors um, actually have their cars, you know, prepped just for that event. And of course, they, they get trucked in and, right. and so on and so forth. And at the Monterey Airport, you see a ton of private jets, <laughs> you know, all these rich people coming in for the event, things like that. So it's very... Uh, it's a very cool place to go. If you ever get a chance to go to, to Monterey Car Week, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't go to all the events, just to see the scene, you know, because you're, you're anywhere you drive or anywhere you walk, you'll see, you know, uh, McLaren Senna's, you'll see, uh, like I said, Pagani's, you'll see your Koenigsegg's, uh, Jesco or whatever, you know, the, the highest level exotic cars, yes. they're there that week okay so uh yeah no it's it's definitely uh, as far as eye candy is concerned the, the place to be okay well i guess you're gonna be here you're gonna be over there most of the week and the next time we see each other we're gonna be able to report yeah sure and tell us all about what you saw and maybe yeah. we'll see a picture of you in a fancy hat or a very fancy Uh, very fancy outfit. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about the hat. I'm not sure about the hat or the outfit, but certainly with a champagne. Sure, champagne flute, yes. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, this was the first episode of the Car Guide podcast uh, with LP and Gab. Catch us again and uh, follow us. We'll be uh, doing this every two weeks and even maybe more if we have more content and uh, we surely have a lot of content to talk about and so we'll see you next time thank you for listening to the car guide podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto as well as weekly reviews and drives You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.